Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. This is John Roca, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The, the Geek, Geek Buddies! Hey! I feel like we haven't done something in a while. It feels like it's been a bit. Well, I was in New York for the last one, and then we took a week off, but it was it's nice for us all to be together again. You did almost just kill Shannon. Yeah. You got to give a warning before you go in Geek Buddies. He was drinking his Feliz Navidad drink oh, right here. He almost choked on the egg. Right. The, yeah, the Coke Zero almost got me. Oh, I'm sorry, my man. I apologize. Here, let me give you a coaster real quick. <laughs> I was wondering when that was. <laughs> yeah, when that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right, together yeah. again. Together yeah. again. How are you guys doing? How's it been? You were you were in Denver with uh, some I family. Was in, I was in. I was in Florida. I was in New York. I was in Denver. Jesus, I was all yeah. over the place. It was two weeks of traveling. It was a lot. Is this what gay guys do over the holidays? Like travel for a few. Is what gay guys do. All the time. Yeah, right? You, you guys live an incredible life. I just saw... Did we talk about this? I feel like I've said this before, but like I saw something on Twitter where some, someone was like, what job do gay people have yeah, where they get to travel all the time? And then it was like, dot, dot, dot. Do gay people have jobs? <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like that. Like, I just like... I, like I'm, always, I'm always going somewhere. I'm like, oh, and then I'm going here, and then I've got this trip to London it's that incredible. I'm planning. I'm going on this cruise in January. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's part of the gay handbook is how to have a job that allows you to travel everywhere. Well, you... You do, do do employed gay guys get more vacation than a normal person? Do you do you get more than two weeks? I think that they get less. I think that we just uh, know how to game the system. Ah, okay. Maybe. You say game the system with a gay y. um the, the system nice. hyphen nice M-E. um nice yeah. I, I think gay people are all <laughs> let's have a stereotypical conversation about gay guys now that we're all back together. Uh, I think that like a lot of the gay guys that I know. Uh, 
are, are good at finding jobs where you don't necessarily have to be in an office. Oh, like a lot yes. of creative jobs tend to be like I. I mean, I work from home. I I write for animation and I work from home, and so. If I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to go to a wedding in Florida or I'm going to go visit family in Denver, like I'm technically right. working still because I can go to a Starbucks and write for a little bit. So I'm quote unquote on the job just well, you, somewhere else. And you guys are good at uh, at the last minute. Be like, hey, let's let's go. Let's go to New York in a week and a half. Like that's that's yeah. something like, we, yeah. you know, the three of us before we started recording yeah. started talking about a trip and it's would be in over a year. Yeah. That's well, how much notice John and I, I need. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta That's take, for sure. I gotta, I gotta treat you guys gently. Yes. <laughs> ease you into a trip. Yes. I Very true. I can't just be like, guys, let's go to Palm Springs this weekend. Whoa, whoa, whoa. See? Wait, yeah, what? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Although I'll be honest with you, because I've traveled so much over the last few months, I feel like, I don't feel that, like, hesitation that I used to feel, or that dread or that worry about travel, because I, I used to hate to travel because of that. Did I tell you this whole thing? that I, I used to think that I hated traveling. Oh, okay. Living here in L.A., and then I finally realized that I didn't because I would get like be, leading up to a trip, I would get really anxious. Right. I'd be stressed out. I'd be like worried. And I'd be like, oh, I must not like traveling. And then I realized that I love traveling. I hate LAX. Yep. Oh, yeah. LAX gives me anxiety. Agita. But like once I get dropped off at LAX and get through security and right. I'm through the gate, I'm great. I'm, I'm a wonderful traveler. I, I finally did the uh, Uber thing. Where you have to walk. Oh, how was it? The LA exit or whatever. It actually wasn't bad. If you order the Uber X ahead of time, you just walk up and you go into the line and the next Uber up takes you. And that's fine. Getting brought to the airport is still the same. It's yeah. leaving the airport that's the issue. Mm. So it may have been just when I but landed. But it was okay for you. Yeah. I literally walked there, walked through the line. There was no one else in the line, grabbed the Uber and was gone. So it was quick for me. It I mean, just, it was really You bad. just like, got to walk all the way to the first day that one. they opened it. It yeah. was really bad, oh, yeah. but I, I heard I that this. they've gotten better. So being dropped off in an Uber, they don't drop you off and, in like a special section? No. No, no, no. You can still get dropped oh, off. Yeah. You can still get it's, dropped it's off wherever you're... It's the picked you're... up. It's the yeah. picked up to get taken away from the airport that you have to go through the whole the rigmarole. Oh, okay. And that's only if you don't fly international. Like international, they've got these secret areas that you can go get picked up. Right. Uh, by an Uber in the international terminal. But the other terminals, you have to go to Terminal 1. I think everybody listening to this right now that is not in L.A. that is like, we came we came for the geek news, not people can travel. Uh, sorry, about, sorry about that. Well, well, whatever. You come for the geek news, stay for the travel. I, uh, I am John Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host over at Collider, also co-host of the Top Ten Show, uh, Cinephiles, and very proud host of the Deep Cut over at Collider as well. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and gay traveler. Yes. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley 911 and I just booked something today. You can't talk about? Nah. You son of a bitch. But, I mean, I'll tell you after. Is it a comedy? It is a comedy. It's a comedy that I was on before years ago and they cut all my dialogue. So it took some time, but they finally brought me back. Nice. With a better role. Oh, that's good. That hopefully... That dialogue will stay in. We'll see. <laughs> it only took him that long to make it up to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you traveling to for Christmas? I or are you sticking around? Might be going to Scottsdale to go see my sister. Okay, my mom and dad are going to be there. Gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I'm, gotcha. The, the plan right now. I bought a ticket um, on Black okay. Friday. The plan Ooh. right now is to fly in Christmas Eve and fly back Christmas night. Okay, because Ooh. it's only an hour flight out there. It's not. Yeah, from Arizona's Burbank, quick. Burbank to Phoenix. It's not bad. Yeah. Are you traveling, Ruth? No. Johnny? no. I'm letting you both know. I'm staying for the holidays, so invite me to shit is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Because apparently there was a Thanksgiving dinner I didn't get invited to, and I didn't know what's happening with our friends, and I wasn't happy about it. Well, it I mean, they're all going to know about it now when they listen. Oh to yeah. This. 
It hurt my feelings, and I want them to know. Hey, Johnny. Yeah. You want to come over to the Vogel apartment on Christmas morning? Absolutely. Great. You're okay, in. You're good. invited. I can't make the brunch, unfortunately, because we're out of town that weekend. What so, brunch? Uh, the brunch that's happening for uh, Shannon. I can't make the brunch that's happening for Shannon. Oh, right. you're talking about my brunch? Yeah. Oh, my birthday. God. I didn't know, it was a <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Jesus Christ. You gay guys are good. Your gay guys are good. Listen, we have so many brunches. No, it's true. It's fair point. Fair point. Anyway, for those of you who are new to the Geek Buddies, you know how it works. We each have one geek news item that we present and talk about. We all talk about it amongst ourselves. And then we have a major topic that we talk about later on. And that today is going to be the comments from uh, the, the uh, articles about Superman and whether he's relevant that Variety and Forbes uh, did. And also the reactions to those uh, uh, articles as well uh, from a lot of people on social media. We talk about all of that. Uh, for those of you who are new, that's how the show works. So strap in, get ready, and let's do this thing. Who's first? I think uh, oh, you are. I am first. And you know why I'm first? Because Black Widow trailer dropped today. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because you were the host of the show. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's all three of us. The, uh, the, uh, yeah, the new Black Widow teaser trailer. Let's make that teaser in capital letters trailer dropped today. Uh, I saw some people complaining that it didn't give you too much. No, it's not going to give you too much because it is a teaser trailer. But what we got, I thought, was a really good combination of action and that Marvel MCU humor in certain moments. But like having David Harbour, this is the Red Guardian, is just so perfect. Rachel you got Weiss. fat. <laughs> you got fat. You got fat. Still feats. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought Florence Pugh was fantastic in just a few seconds we got with her. She's also wearing some of the stuff that Black Widow wore in uh, Infinity War. So what does that mean? Uh, also, we get Taskmaster real quick. Rachel we get, Weiss. We get Rachel Weiss, of course, who may become Iron Maiden in the movie. We don't know. Uh, and also we got her in the white outfit, which is pretty badass. That yeah. that is from the early two thousands in the comics. So all of this combined, I I like, and I like the score or the music they use for the trailer as well. What do you guys think? Well, one is this the same footage that you saw oh. in Hall H? Yeah, good uh, a little bit. Uh, a lot. I mean, anything with David Harbor was new. So none of, none of that stuff was in the tra- the stuff the footage they showed. What they showed okay. is. That scene of the two of them fighting in the kitchen, yes, uh, of uh, Scarlett Johansson and um, Florence Florence Pugh. Pugh. Yeah, uh, I I saw we got to see an extended version of that. Oh, cool! It's a much longer fight, and they showed a lot more of it. I think that's because that's one of the few things they had, uh, and it was great. It's like Jason Bourne type fight. Yeah, total yeah. Jason Bourne. It was, and it was, and it's great. Uh, okay. But like, and a little bit of Rachel Weisz. So I think we saw a little bit more of Taskmaster in the Comic Con footage. Oh, interesting. Uh, and they, there was just really that one shot in this teaser. But everything of the other Black Widows in the Red Room, and everything of them uh, with her in the white outfit, like none of that was yeah. in the Comic Con footage. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I liked it. Me too. Me too. I think this. It's weird because I feel it kind of snuck under the radar. Like there was no, there was no real notice that the trailer was going to drop. They just sort of quietly dropped it. Yeah. Um. Everything about it, I'm like this. I think this always speaks to Marvel's ability to pivot with not necessarily their tone, but the type of movie. Like this definitely yeah. has more of the Winter Soldier vibe. Like it's more, it's a more real world, real world type thriller that yeah. feel, and well it feels and like you said it but it feels very jason Bourne. yeah, yeah. and no. which is which is a, which is a good thing yeah i agree and and we're also getting we're also getting so much of, like it's coming right after civil war and before infinity war correct so it's in that gap right so what's going on with their life what's the situation i saw a lot of people saying well what's the point we know what happens to her but i'm like well what does that matter well, to the movie and here's where people i mean first of all 
even if this was just going to be a one-off that like we all right. know what happens to Black Widow at the end of uh, Endgame or in, in the in the middle of Endgame, yeah. I guess. Uh, it looks like just a fun story that fleshes her out as a character, and that could be just a lot of fun. But the other piece of this is, like, this is the first movie in Phase 5 for a reason. Right. Um, and, you know, I think prob- if I was going to bet my money, and I'm, you know, that uh, that we're just setting up so that later in uh, Phase 5 when a new Black Widow shows up. Yeah. We now understand who she is and where she came from. Like, just because we know what what Black Widow's fate is, yeah. does not mean that Marvel and Kevin Feige are not going to use this movie to plant a shit ton of seeds that are going to sprout and pay off later yeah. in Marvel movies because that's just what they do. Yeah, and it feels like a lot of the actors from the first section of the MCU are putting these other actors over, like. Uh, Downey Jr. putting over Tom Holland. That's the Tom Holland now who's going to go forward, right? Iron Man helping Spider-Man. You got this possible situation here with Scarlett Johansson helping Florence Pugh become the new Black Widow. That's certainly possible. Yeah, and and, you know, like, it'll be be a great thing, and this is just a classic Marvel thing to do, is that, you know, in... You know, wherever it's going to end up in the end credits of Thor 4 or wherever it is, Florence Pugh walks in and she's there. But because we know what happened between her and Natasha, we understand why she's there and why it's important to her. Like, this is just what good comic book things do. And this is what Marvel does really well is that getting us excited about this one off movie because we know it's going to pay dividends down the road. Yeah. Now, as for our our listeners who may not have like the deepest uh, knowledge mm. of Marvel, uh, especially if they came to it through the movies, Taskmaster. What is Taskmaster's deal? Taskmaster is a villain who can copy the uh, skills and abilities of any person that they fight. Which yeah. is why in the trailer we saw him draw an arrow. Yeah. yeah. So Hawkeye, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. Well, because I mean, you know, like they also set because it's like it's it's set in Budapest. Yes. And as we all know from, like, every Avengers movie, yeah. like, oh, some, this some, reminds me of Budapest. Something happened in Budapest. Your memory of Budapest is very different than mine. <laughs> you know, but, like, so, like, Budapest has come up, like, two or three times with the two of them. So I think that's probably going to play into it. Like, I, I think it's going to be cool. Do you think Do you think we're walking over territory where we walked over? We've seen all those other trained assassins. That's kind of like what we've seen already with uh, Red Sparrow. And if you watch Hannah, the first season of Hannah, right at the end, you get exposed to that as well. Is This is a trope that we've seen before. Is it overdone? It, Go it's, ahead. It's, it's a trope that's been done before, but I don't think it's necessarily been done incredibly well okay. yet. Um, I don't think anyone who saw Red Sparrow, would, Red Sparrow would say that that was a brilliant movie. I agree. Um, and also, I feel like with Hannah, at least with the feature, not so much the series, the feature, you only kind of scratched the surface of what this, of what this was. Right. Also, what's funny is Black Widow kind of has it over all of them as far as like timeline. Like Black Widow pre-exists all those things. Good point. Like Black Widow in the comics was the I was trained in a red room. I was a young assassin. I've grown up like that's who she was. And so all these other movies that you're mentioning kind of like all kind of took bits and pieces of Black Widow in what they created. And so now Black Widow's coming out. And I just think, you know, and this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about in a little bit. With DC, but I think that Marvel has built a universe that gives everything they choose to do added weight. Yeah. If this was just Marvel did one-off movies and they were doing a Black Widow movie and we were going to be introduced to Natasha uh, Romanoff in this movie and we were going to see an adventure with her and that was going to be it... Yeah, okay. Maybe this will be a better version of Red Sparrow or a better version of Hannah and that will be cool. But... 
given what Marvel has built, yeah. they now get to reap the benefits of what they've built, which is, A, we're going in already knowing Natasha and caring very deeply about her as right. a character. Right. We're going to get to learn a bunch of new stuff, meet a bunch of new characters, and as I said, meet characters that are that are going to then spin off and be important to later movies. Yeah. So it just adds a little bit of, I guess, geek weight to knowing that we're going to see something that actually matters more than just a one-off movie. Yeah, it'll be fun to see because, I mean, you, you got the idea of family. It's really prevalent in the trailer. R- right? Not just... I mean, they say it twice because yeah. they take a little bit of her speech from Endgame. Yes, they do. Where she talks about the family that she met right. uh, being the Avengers. And then you have that scene with her and Harbor and everybody and Weiss yeah. around the table. Yeah. Where they also talk about how they are a family. Right. So having sort of her family as an assassin uh, that she kind of grew up with and then her coming back into that family after having this new family of heroes, I think that's going to be a core emotional piece of the movie. Yeah, it feels to me like they're all going to die in some way. Like either Guardian's going to die and... Maybe yeah. Florence Pugh dies, or high she, blood pressure. She thinks she dies. <laughs> Iron Maiden, like tur- she turns so that she loses her entire family, which is why she's holding on to that family so hard. And Endgame that makes sense. also why it might make it easier for her to sacrifice herself because she doesn't have any family anymore uh, biologically, so she can do it here in this moment with maybe. Hawkeye. I mean, but I think also there's an element of um. That thing that happens when you move on in life and you grow. Yeah. Because she grew, she was, you know, she grew from being just a trained assassin to being a true hero. Right. She grew right out of that Russian accent. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's not easy to do. Uh, But, you know, like, so she, but she grew out of, uh, into being a true hero. Yeah. And these other people, we're going to see where they are in life, but they might not be in the same place. So for, there's also that element of like coming back home and being like, I'm not who I was. Right, right. That I think will be a big piece of it as well. Yeah. One last thing I want to throw you guys uh, out there, throw this out there, and this is me putting the tinfoil hat on. Um, A couple of days before the trailer dropped, they released that um, Avengers Infinity War deleted scene where Doctor Strange was in the astral plane talking to Spider-Man to convince Mantis to bring back to life Drax and Star-Lord and Nebula who had been uh, killed in the Infinity War battle by Thanos or something like that. It's a two and a half minute scene. But, you know, you see Cumberbatch going through the astral plane, convinced Spider-Man, Mantis, Mantis not sure. Then Mantis brings them back to life because Mantis's power comes from the Soul Stone. So were they dropping this two days before the Black Widow trailer to kind of put it in your head that Mantis could go into the Soul Universe and bring Black Widow back out, bring Gamora back out, and then the sequel to Black Widow is Black Widow discovering that She's back to life, or, or the the original black, or the uh, new Black Widow discovering the original Black Widow was back to life, and what's that all about? So I don't know. It's me putting the tinfoil hat on, but I was thinking about it. Ooh, the timing is curious. <laughs> um, I did not see any. Oh, okay, you didn't see it. Yeah, uh, any news for that scene? So, but I mean, the timing's curious. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I'll be. It, it brings up an interesting point, which is I'll be curious to see how Marvel handles hero deaths yeah. in the movies because as we all know from reading comics for years lots of characters die and eventually they're gonna come back right uh you know i mean i think like i think i used to say years ago that every comic book character is probably going to come back to life except jason todd <laughs> <laughs> and then that was 
proven wrong. That's true. As you know, like everybody comes back in comics because you have so many years and you're going to resurrect and you're going to resurrect. But it's like, you know, I think that I, I like the idea that, you know, Iron Man died. There's a finality. Black Widow sacrificed herself. I I think that as much as people would be excited about Black Widow being pulled back through some magical, mystical means, it would make her sacrifice a little bit less impactful. Hmm, Probably true. Um, Now, granted, Gamora also got killed and we got a they Gamora cheated back. that they cheated that by bringing that but, another but they, version but that but to it my worked. point they cheated it in the exact way that you always cheat things true. in comic books very true uh, and at the end of the day the, the real truth about whether or not they bring Natasha back or not is it'll they'll do it if it works for story in the Gamora yeah. case it gives you a whole new way to attack the Gamora Peter Quill relationship right so it'll be great for story so we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. The only three people, Matt actually said this today on Movie Talk, said the only three people who ever die and stay dead are uh, 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 Thomas and Martha Wayne and yep. uh, Uncle Ben. Except not really. Because Thomas Wayne from... Uh, oh, in, yeah. Yeah. From Flashpoint. Flashpoint. True. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Okay. So, so not even that. All right. Once fair. you have a multiverse, ain't nobody dead. That's true. Oh, so, speaking oh, of which. Ah, oh, nice. Good job. Oh, my God. I didn't even mean to do it, and I did it. Take it away, McClung. That leads us into our next topic because they just released the trailer for the, I believe it's the sixth crossover event of the Arrowverse on the CW, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, Going to be a, it's a five-night event, correct? Yes. Three-night Three nights in December, two nights in January. Five night event where <laughs> they're bringing all the characters, not just from the CW series. They're reaching into to a little bit of the movies as well. Yeah. Um, we got to see three different Clark Kents. Three, di- well, three, yeah, three different Clark Kents yeah. in the trailer. Guys, what did you think of this? As a guy who collected the original Crisis on Infinite Earths in nineteen in the eighties, this was mind blowing. To see the monitor, I was just like, what? This is really happening. I thought it was incredibly cool. But also, having not necessarily been a fan, but been aware of all the separate characters and all the separate versions that have come before, to see how how full this universe is, this crossover is now, was kind of mind-blowing. I mean, love seeing Tom Welling. The Kevin Conroy moment was great because I'm thinking, is that the Batman from Asriel? Is that Bane who's broken his back? Is that why he's using that thing? I don't know what version of he, of that you're going to get. You get uh, you got uh, uh, what White Canary and Legends of Tomorrow. You've got all this stuff thrown. Yeah, Black uh, uh, Black Lightning, Black Lightning coming in for the first time. That moment with him in Flash was fantastic. Uh, Supergirl looks super stressed out about what's happening. So. All of it all over the place. <laughs> this person, this person. <laughs> Supergirl is super- stressed. <laughs> I mean, it's all here to enjoy. So for me, I just was super excited about seeing it. Also, it's kind of the last uh, for Amel as well, right? The last go around for, yeah. for Amel. So that's a fun uh, thing. So I don't know if they can keep doing it because Arrow always was like the anchor of the Arrowverse, necessarily crossover. So it'd be weird now that the series is gone. If they, I wonder if they can keep going with this. But either way, this was great. I mean, I think they can't. Look, Arrow has... I loved Arrow when it first came out, and I watched sure. it way longer than loved it. Uh, and I finally sort of dropped off. And, you know, it's it, it lived its time. I and it's served a purpose and has done great stuff. But I just... You know, I'm always... I don't, I don't always keep up with all the CW superhero shows anymore. I used to always keep up with all of them. And I've kind of fallen off a little bit with some of them. I like some more than others. But they have just mastered this tone of the fun... They they are in the TV connected universe what Marvel is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe like yeah. like they have mastered this sort of 
cheesy, fun, golly wow universe that can get dark in Arrow or with Batgirl, but it can be light and fluffy and Supergirl and Flash that is this epic soap opera with tights and capes. And it's just so much fun. And whenever they do these, it is just a giant comic book love letter. Yeah. And this is just all of that and more. I mean, it's like, like it's everything you just said. I mean, just the excitement of seeing all these characters together. There was that one image because they released a bunch of still images as well online today. And there was that one image of Brandon Routh as a uh, kingdom come Superman. Yeah. Just slamming uh, the Supergirl Superman. What's his name? Tyler Hawkland. Yeah. Uh, slamming him against the wall and choking him. And I got super cheesed out because in the background, there's a framed photo that says daily planet under attack with a picture of the planet with like green smoke coming out. Oh, And for anybody who's read Kingdom Come, the reason that old Superman in Kingdom Come is so sort of bitter against the world is that the Joker invaded the Daily Planet and and killed killed Lois Lois Lane. And so just the fact that they had that poster there, like all of it, like it just feels like it's going to be one of those things where if you are a lover of DC Comics in any way, shape or form, this is just going to be one of those... You might not even watch the shows, yeah, but you just don't want to miss this. Yeah, I feel. Do you think they'll build it so that you can just watch it without having watched the shows? I would think if you, I, I don't think anyone's going to go in and this be their introduction to the DC gotcha. CW universe. Gotcha. I think you will have some knowledge of one of the shows, if not more of the shows. Right. And I think as long as you have sort of a working knowledge of what those characters, the comic book characters are, you're given, gonna you're gonna have an idea. Given their happening. past crossovers, what was it Earth X and then? Uh, what was the one last year that was leading up to Crisis? It was the uh, was that that wasn't the Nazi one, was it? Earth X was the Nazi one, right? Uh-huh. Or, at any rate, as someone who watched who kept up with some of the shows and not others, yeah, there's a lot of like sort of B and C plots within the episodes that you're sort of like I don't quite know these characters, but you get it. Yeah. But the overall arc of the main thing is pretty easy to follow. Okay, yeah. I'm 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 super excited. Flash is the only one that I really kind of kept up with. Mm-hmm. And we've seen John Wesley ship in the costume before. Right. But it always brings a smile to my face when I see that guy squeeze his squeeze his 60-year-old body <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in his flash tights. Um and I think especially the people, I mean I'm I'm partial to the Flash, but those they're just so dialed in to what they do with those characters now. Getting to see all these people come together. Um Kevin Conroy in the in the exoskeleton. Yeah. And I'm like, God, this is this is so. Ten years ago, no one would have ever thought this would have been possible. Right. And who's the villain? What yeah, is the villain? I'm assuming it's the Anti Monitor. Right? Anti Monitor, right? It should be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm down. I'm looking. For I it. also just love thinking about like I just love that we live in a world where uh, multiverses are sort of common TV fare now. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, and you know, this was when you read Crisis in the 80s. I yeah. was, you know, I was still in diapers, but. Um, okay. But, uh, <laughs> Let's go with that. But, uh, but you know, like, like when you were, when you were growing up reading comics, like this whole idea of like multiverses and universes colliding and stuff like that was stuff that was for comic books. You would never imagine you'd see something like that oh, on yeah. television. Yeah. So the, just that we live in this era where we're having these conversations about and you know with both with the MC as well but like different dimensions and universes and dimension hopping and everything it's just it's just great to be a nerd i would love to see one with all the villains like when they bring back all the villains maybe they could do a, a crossover event next year and it's all the villains having to do something cuz i mean when earth is threatened 
it isn't just the you know the heroes that can be threatened. It's the villains too and their yeah. livelihood. So why wouldn't they band together in some way? That'd be fun to bring all those actors God. for day players to come in. I and can't remember. Parts, I can't remember the name stars. of it. There was a, there was this was years ago in DC. They did a entire sort of a crossover series where for some reason all of the DC villains got sent to some island. Right. Yes, I remember that one. And watching how they all had to navigate it with each other to sort of survive on the I was it was like really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean it starts on December 8th and Michael speaking of villains Oh boy! I feel like that wasn't as organic as what I did. Well, no, it was, but you you had to talk about the DC heroes going to or DC villains going to the island. I, I had it, but you didn't give me a breath. Oh. I had it. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you saying that I was talking too much? Oh, <laughs> here is we that, go. Is that what just happened? And plus, I wanted to throw out the date that it started. Yeah, December eighth, which is soon. Yeah, right Sunday. next week. Yeah. Oh, Sunday. Well, I don't want to say anything now. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. No, do our third news. Uh, our third, <laughs> our third item uh, from from a more animated place, but still staying with the DC universe. Uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series, has uh, premiered on uh, the DC streaming service. Yeah, uh, the first two episodes are up. If you have it, you can check it out. Um, Shannon, you have not seen it yet because you do not have the DC direct streaming service. They did not put that service on the PS4, therefore I do not oh, have it. But you did service. watch the trailer for it. I did watch the trailer. And Johnny, you and I have watched the first... Did you watch the first two episodes or just the first one? I didn't see that the second episode was available, so I only watched the first episode. Yeah, I watched the first two. Okay. Um, all right, so so yeah, so brand new Harley Quinn series. Harley Quinn animated. She is the focal point. She is the focus of the show. She is. Uh, the overall arc of the show is that in the first episode, she breaks up with the Joker and sets off to prove that she is a good and amazing villain in her own right in the uh, in the amazing competitive villain world of Gotham City. <laughs> uh, much more of a comedic take, not really an action series, much more of a comedy series. What did you think? Uh, I will say that I, I thoroughly loved it. Okay. Um, I thought it was very funny. I was incredibly surprised by the amount of gore and violence and cuss words in the show. A lot of F words, a lot of S words, a lot of like just flat out, just for no reason at all, just cussing up a storm. And the Joker killing people like casually, like no problem. And Harley Quinn killing people casually. Uh, 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 Poison Ivy doing the same thing. All of it. But it all worked for me, and it's a great voiceover talent you've got involved with uh, Alan Tudyk and Diedrich Bader and Jim Rash and, and Phil Lamar, all these people involved in it. Lake Bell, obviously, Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn. All of this, I thought, if you're going to do something distinct and new and different, this is certainly a way to go. And it reminds me of like um, when you would you'd always say to yourself, oh, what, if, what, 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 what would they really be like in the real world? What would they actually speak like? And they, I think they absolutely nailed it. And the thing is, as fantastical as it is, it still feels real, which I like. It still feels like something you can connect to because her journey is one of self-discovery. And everyone is telling her for a year that the Joker is, does, not want, does not love her but she doesn't want to hear it. You know, all of us have been with that one person that we're like, no, 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 you just don't know. You just you just don't. You know, we all we excuse them like crazy. That's so funny to see it in that point in, from that point of view. Um, I agree with everything you said, but I didn't okay. love it as much as you. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I I did enjoy it. I am definitely not a prude by any stretch. You certainly are not. Uh, by any stretch. Uh, but I... Uh, you know, here's I was 
Ooh, what I was thinking about, I was trying I, to think. I like where this is going. Here's what bugged me about it. Oh. It bothers me when you kind of take the reins off something and you're like, hey, we're doing the adult version, so do whatever you want. And all of a sudden, like, every other word is like, fuck this, motherfuck this, shit, fuck shit. And I'm like, nobody actually cusses that much. Like it, like to be it. Almost, it all of a sudden felt like you were doing something because you could do it, not necessarily because it was organic to the character. So almost, I was like, I was like, seriously, like nobody. Cu- I cuss a lot, and I don't cuss that much. Angela Abar cusses that much. Does she? She drops that f word like every other sentence. Yeah. She's in a very high stakes environment. <laughs> so so it's Harley Quinn. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's maybe it's just like maybe it just like struck me as wrong for a weird thing. I didn't hate it. Right. Uh, I think. Uh, Lake Bell, I think, is my favorite. And like Poison Ivy is the best thing in the show to me. Yeah, I can't tell you how surprised I was by her because I really don't like that documentary she did in a world or whatever it yeah. was. Like you just got into voiceover a year ago, and you're going to tell a documentary about voiceover. It's not a the fuck docu- out of It's here. not a, dare, a documentary. It's or a, it's, whatever it's it is, narrative. a stupid movie. Uh, I thought <laughs> okay. it was a stupid movie because I was like, well, you got you've been in voiceover for a year. Do you think you know what you're talking about? Give me a fucking break. Well, you regardless, know. yeah, regardless, Poison Ivy is the funniest part of the show to me. Yes, agreed. Like I felt, and 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 for some reason, I like the Joker the least. Well, yeah, because Tuttick is playing it up, and he sounds. You can hear the King Candy in his characterization. Maybe that's it. Yeah, and I think just we've had so many amazing Jokers. You know, we have. We like, have. So I don't want to say Joker fatigue because I love all the Jokers that we get, and he's like one of my favorite villains. But yeah. I just feel like uh, this Joker is not. Um, High on my list of jokers that I love. But I think it's the only time you see him because, according to IMDb, he's only in for one episode. No, and that's everyone not true. else is six. That's true. That's not true. Oh, I mean, he's in okay. the second episode. Oh, okay. Um, at the Penguins' nephew's bar mitzvah. Wow. The whoever. It's, it's a bar mitzvah episode. Right. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you that Bane in the second episode is goddamn hilarious. Who is doing the voice of Bane? I don't know, but he's doing it really well. I, yeah, like I don't, I don't Hardy, actually right? know. I didn't actually check to see who it was. I just laughed my ass off. Okay. Um, so I, I do think it's really funny. I do think it's a lot of fun. I think um, I just need I just maybe maybe I just needed some adjustment time for it. Yeah, okay. I'm going to keep watching it for sure. I am. It's one of the few animated series that's come along in the last few years that I've been like crazy oh, excited about. Really? This side of My Little Pony. <laughs> uh huh. Sorry. It's too little, too late. So I'm talking too much over here. You don't watch oh, my shows what? over here. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, oh. I'm going to jump out this window. This guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what did you have any thoughts from the trailer or just like well as one who is a prude who is a little bit of a prude oh you're not gonna like this uh, well no what? I mean the the trailer was red band or was yeah. red band equivalent because it was loaded with with the f-poms it was um, I, I don't I don't mind a dirty joke. I like a good dirty joke. But I don't <laughs> like dirty for the sake of being dirty. Right. And based off of the trailer, that is what it sounded like. And okay. it's interesting that you guys both singled out Lake Bell because I thought she had one of the worst jokes from the trailer. And granted, it's not her joke. It's the right. writer's joke. But when they were talking about the Legion of Doom, she goes, oh, I thought it was the Legion of Dildo. And it's like, that's so not Is that in the second episode? It's in the second episode. Okay, well, it's no, not in the not, first episode. That's not clever at all. Poison Ivy. That's I just want to say Dildo. Well, yeah, Poison Ivy is just great in the show. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, they're not going full, and I don't think they will. I, and this kind of bothers I think maybe this bothers me too, but we'll see where they go. Is that like in the comics, they've kind of caught up to basically Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn are in a relationship. Well, right. Okay. Um, it's a complicated relationship. Sure. It's not just that they're dating, but like those two are clearly in a romantic situation with each other. Okay. And this seems much more like I'm just your supportive bestie girlfriend, which is great because that's where they started out as. But she's a really good supportive girlfriend. Yes. Uh, and she's really funny. Just a, She's a really good sort of straight man to Harley Quinn's 
ridiculous, over-the-top craziness. Let me give you a sample. And this is not spoiling anything. Hmm. But they're all in Arkham Asylum. They break out because of poison ivy. And you get the thing that you're not supposed to bring any vegetation or plants into Arkham Asylum. So when they see Poison Ivy using her powers, Harley Quinn comes out and she's like, wait, how did you do this? Or the guard asks uh, Poison Ivy, how were you able to get your powers? powers? Riddler runs in and goes, I ate an orange and I shit out a seed. And from the seed, Harley Quinn used that to create all this Poison shit. Poison Ivy. I'm sorry, Poison Ivy used that to create all this shit. That's the level of humor you're going to get. Like a, like a kind of like highbrow, lowbrow combo at the same time. So. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's kind yeah. of funny. By the way, Jim Rash as the Riddler... <laughs> Was also great. He is fantastic. I, I, is Diedrich Bader, is he Lex Luthor? He's Batman. He's Batman. He's Batman. So Batman. is it Will Arnett who's Lex Luthor? Oh, I think probably. Okay. How ironic that is. Um, but uh, also, like, secondly, as much as I do think there is a market for adult animation, I think it's really risky using these characters dropping that kind of language because it's just so easy for kids to get on the internet and find. Well, that's fair, but I also think DC's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Are the kids' heads going to explode no, if they hear somebody I, say fuck? Well, I think... Kids should wow. be allowed to be kids for a little bit before yeah. they get they get inundated with adult terms. <sighs> I know you grew up in a very progressive. House. I can hear I can hear <laughs> the younger people listening is going, "Okay, boomer." That's hey, that's fair. I you know what? I, I'm I'm an old. Soul. When you were a kid, you wanted to find you out wanted to find yeah, those words. Of course, you did. Yeah, okay, sure. And sure. the sex, of course, that's what you do. It's, well, it's that, that, ex exploration. That found me. I mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. but wait, how old? Wait, just I know. Oh, we'll okay. move on in a minute. We'll move on in a minute. But like, what? Like when Goonies came out, right. how old were we? We were eight. Okay. Seven, oh, so eight. not in diapers. Just want to make that clear. Calm down. Just Mike, want to make Mike, that Michael had bathroom fucking issues. Fucking clear. Uh, yeah, I, right. I wore a diaper till I was 15 years old. That's right. um, but like, Goonies came out. Like they cursed, but they weren't saying fuck, and they weren't saying that. There is a jump. There is a jump in in so, profanity intensity. You so at eight years old, that. it's okay to hear the word shit. I'm not saying what's okay and what's not okay. I'm and, and I'm not saying that the show shouldn't have been made. I'm just saying it the idea of it being so easily accessible and I, like I get it kids with the internet kids are smart they're gonna find what right. they want to find I just worry about worry about kids being exposed to that so so young I think it's a fair thing to be concerned about <sighs> okay, doesn't boomer. mean he's right or wrong I think he's got a right to be concerned about it mm. Mm. okay boomer I'm the youngest one in this room <laughs> I'm just oh. telling you it's, it doesn't sound like it uh, anyway, so maybe yeah. if the swearing had been more clever, oh! I, would have, I, I wouldn't have this issue. Well, now you're talking my language. Now, now I say I'm glad we can agree on these things. <laughs> <laughs> it did make me look, though, to sign up for DC Universe. It did? Which is crazy because they have a $79, $79 special for the year right now, which would be fun to, to watch the Doom Patrol stuff as well. And I heard the second season of Titans is fantastic. And the third season of Young Justice is awesome. Yes. So uh, this may be... Oh, I heard some people write on that show. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I that. only have one. I'm, I'm actually not hyping up myself. It actually is. You know, it's actually great because even though um, when you write on Young Justice, because it's so connected, like yeah. you get... You're on an email list. So like I got every single script. I got everything. So I knew what was happening right. but even knowing what was happening I sat because my episode was like the third episode of season three yeah. you sit I sat and watched the rest of it and you just get just so sucked in like wow. I just didn't watch anything else for two days and I just like tore through it it's so good oh, I can't wait now see that's the way to go alright well uh, let's take a break real quick after uh, we've talked all our geek news items and when we come back uh, to hear some sponsors let me do that again. Let's take a break real quick to hear back from our sponsors now that we're done with the Geek News items, and we'll jump into our main topic right after this. 
All right. Well, there you go. You heard our voices talking about stuff, uh, really fun stuff. I hope you all get invested <laughs> in all that. You always, every time we come back from a commercial, <laughs> you sound like you hate it. So you're like, oh, it's really great stuff. Uh, heard our voices. I don't know what to do. But I'm just saying, great. Thank you so much for the ad support for the show. <laughs> That's what I would say. Uh, but let's jump into our main topic. And our main topic comes from these two articles that were written up over the last few days of the Thanksgiving break about Superman. This is such an interesting, curious time to drop this article and this conversation. By the way, this is nothing necessarily from the studio, Warner Brothers. This is just people who are close to the studio or sources that are close to the studio possibly essentially claiming that uh, WB is having some issues rebooting Superman or bringing back Superman or figuring out what to do with it and trying to make him relevant. This exploded on the internet. Then there was a part in the report as well where they had confirmed a conversation with Michael B. Jordan or meetings with Michael B. Jordan about him possibly being Superman. All of that was in play as well. And then rumors that, because J.J. Abrams' company, Bad Robot, has an overall deal at Warner Brothers, so rumors that they were talking to him about what he would do with Superman. Right, right. So there was a a lot involved here. So let's... Michael, why don't you t- start us off with this? You said you had a lot to say about this one, so let's get it going. I mean, I don't know that there's, I have a lot to say that I haven't already said okay. at nauseum, but I think one of the things that really bugs me is the how to make Superman relevant discussion. Yeah. Okay. I think that there is, and and actually, this came up in the Forbes article, like because like like er, the Forbes article kind of hit head on because exactly what my argument is, which is Marvel did not try and make Captain America relevant. Yeah. Like, they didn't. They just made Captain America Captain America, and it worked. And uh, that is sort of what I always say is, stop trying to make Superman darker or make Superman this or make Superman that. Just make Superman Superman, and it should work. Um, This Forbes article disagrees with that and Mm -hmm. says that it's not that simplistic, but I disagree. We were just talking about how excited we are for Crisis and everything else, and, you know, they have... uh, whether it be Tom Welling in Smallville mm-hmm. or um, the guy whose name I clearly can't remember because you literally Tyler, just told Tyler me. Tyler Hawkland. Uh, as the Superman in Supergirl or even Supergirl. Like in the TV world, they have had these Superman, Supergirl characters mm-hmm. as these uh, optimistic, hopeful inspirational characters and it does work. Yeah, And so this whole idea that Marvel did something different with Captain America or that they did some special thing to make him what he was like. They just weren't afraid to make Captain America who he was the way that Warner Brothers is clearly afraid to make Superman who he is. Um, And the Forbes article kind of tried to make a case that both Henry Cavill's Superman and Brandon Routh's Superman and the two reboots that we've had were the idealistic, perfect Superman and that it didn't work. So clearly we don't want that and we do have to do something different. Oh. But I would actually argue that A, that, that A although I think Brandon Routh was a great Superman and yeah. will be a great Superman uh, in the Crisis uh, arc, Superman Returns is just problematic for a lot of other reasons. Agreed. Uh, and then Henry Cavill's Superman is not is not the traditional Superman. Yeah. In fact, even you guys who like Man of Steel, when we get into arguments about it, don't argue that he is the perfect Superman. You no. argue that you wanted a different Superman and that you liked that he was darker and more troubled and everything else. So I do think that Warner Brothers is just afraid to double down and make Superman who he's supposed to be. Well, but I think that had Man of Steel been more financially successful... 
that we were on the road, and had we gotten a proper sequel, maybe not gotten Batman versus Superman, I think we would have gotten we would have gotten to that Superman um, that we all kind of grew up with more. Uh, because that is kind of based off of the scene between um, uh, Harry, Harry Lennox's character, the general, and uh, Clark at the end, where he's like, you know, sir, you know, I grew up in Kansas. Um, I think we were getting more to that optimistic, do the right thing guy. That's I don't, my opinion. I don't know what about Zack Snyder's movies makes you think that we were on our way to that. It may not have been a Zack Snyder movie, though. That's the thing. I mean, he wasn't necessarily going to be directing the Man of Steel sequel. Like, it, it was never a thing that was happening. Are we having this battle again? What are you talking about? I'm just saying that... He left him hopeful at the end of Man of Steel. What him. I'm saying is that... Huh? Maybe he did leave him hopeful. He did. But then we got to the, the sequel that actually got made, which is Batman versus Superman. Yeah, good point. And... Woof. Superman was completely still a mess. Yeah. So like this whole idea that, well, maybe if Zack Snyder had just made a Superman sequel and not Batman versus Superman, <laughs> or if so, like, I'm just saying in general, the Superman we got, whether we were going to get there eventually, like, I think a big rule of thumb is if you're going to reboot a character or you're going to give some huge character or some huge IP a thing, don't spend your first movie giving us something different yeah. just to get us where we really want to be in the first place in the second movie. Like, just don't, that's a bad idea because of exactly the conversation that we're having right now. Well, I, yeah, I, I think it would have been possible if you'd done a straight Superman, if they hadn't overreacted to Man of Steel and just did a sequel to it. We'll see where Snyder could have really gone with the character because Snyder himself has said that he doesn't like that whole truth, justice in American way about Superman. I think he said that in the past. So he's trying to make him a little more realistic in the fact that he's a legal alien, the fact that he's out of step with the world, that kind of stuff. Okay. What is, what is I, no, I just... Sorry. Having a connection. I'm sitting sorry. here making faces. You are. <laughs> I, here's my core issue, yeah. and I think this is where I run into a big problem with what everybody says. Why does idealism and kindness... Right. Have to be unrealistic. I agree. I agree. I agree with you a thousand percent. But because like, and you just said it, and I know that you don't feel like no. you and I have had conversation. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not harping on you for this, but yeah, I'm yeah. gonna like use what you just said as sure. my example, which is, um, this is what people say. Yes. You you have Superman, who is this good, kind person who doesn't want to hurt people, who always gives people a second chance, who does the right thing, who treats people nicely. Yeah. And you say, hey, this is a great guy. We should, we should make a movie about Superman. And you go into a room and you tell people that. And they're like, yeah, but like, we should make him more realistic. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? We should make him really like, troubled. Like, we should make him a little bit edgier. Like, 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 I don't, like, the, this, high, this whole idea that edginess, cynicism, uh, uh, anxiety, mm -hmm. that, that that's real. And that's what people want. And then you look at what Chris Evans did. Over all the movies where he was Captain America, yeah. however, you know, the three Cap movies and however many Avengers movies and whatever else. And they built a character that was so good yeah. that when he's standing there by himself at the end of Endgame and is in that one shot that you like, Roka, That's you, my I was sitting next to you, you gasped and clutched your pearls. Uh, which I'm gay, so I can say that because it's a compliment when we All say that. All right. Um, but like that shot of Cap standing there with Thanos and his entire army on the other side of the screen, awesome. and you go, 
yeah, this guy would do that. Yeah. He is that good. Like, that's who he is. And they nail it. And that's why Captain America has now become more popular than Superman is because of those movies and because Warner Brothers and people in that position think that kindness and generosity and honesty is somehow unrealistic. Yeah, which I, and I said this uh, when I tweeted about it. Um, I said, if you have trouble making Superman relevant, the problem isn't the character. The problem is you. Because I agree with you, Mike. I think a thousand percent. I like the way Zack Snyder went with it, but I also like the way Donner went with it. And if you did another version of it and you were going to make him uh, kinder, justice, the American way, all of that, I think it's really work because what he's great as a character for is seeing the people that don't do that, that don't act that way, that don't function in the world that way, and how he represents what is supposed to be the best of us. Yet, still an outsider, still an alien, still trying to... He loves his planet so much, he tries to assimilate so hard, you know, and it breaks his heart that he can't ever 100% feel like he is fully part of the planet earth and that is incredible an incredible struggle already inherent in the character yeah and so to make him uh peace justice american way i think it can absolutely work you've got to find the right actor and you've got to build the right story around it and then it would absolutely work yeah, absolutely i mean and you know superman returns just doesn't have a lot of action in it no first of all there's not a lot of action it has one of the best action scenes in a superhero you mean the plane film. the plane rescue. yeah the plane but rescue that's is great. it but yes agreed well it's like the beginning of dark knight rises that beginning in the plane is fantastic the rest of the film can't seem to match that um and then you just have the issues of lois's kid and the super baby super and kid just the whole it yeah. gets it gets very bogged down in some stuff yeah. that you're like i don't yeah I, I, this is not where i want to jump in on a superman movie yeah, well, but being at the executive yeah. level, when Brian Singer went in and pitched that take, how, why do you think, is it because they don't know the character? Why didn't someone say, like, hey, he seems like super stalker right now? I think probably in the pitch it didn't come across that way. And I also know, I remember, Brian Singer got Donner's uh, approval. Pr- approval in a black. Yeah. Because cause if you watch Superman Returns, Superman Returns <laughs> is just a love letter to Donner's Superman. It really is. I mean, from top to bottom, it is it is just a, we love the Donner film so much. Yeah. But I think when he went in there, when you pitch the idea, like Superman left and he just took off and he comes back and the world has moved on without him and he's having a hard time fitting back in again. And we're really going to play that awkwardness of him trying to figure out. And then Lois has this kid and his husband and, you know, he thought that he and Lois were going to be together. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody was like, oh, and then by the way, at the end, he's going to fly into the kid's room and just stare at him. And it's going to be super creepy. Like they, yeah. that came along later. So I think that it, you know, I think in the pitch, it probably sounded like a, this is a cool take. And Richard Donner said, cool. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Brian Singer at that point in time was yeah, the Midas touch. Yeah. He was, he was the guy you went right. to for this stuff. Right, right, right. Now, do you think thinking about the, the relevancy of Superman and from that executive standpoint like oh we need something a little more realistic do you think the success of the Injustice games uh, for for example where Superman is essentially the antagonist do you think that weighs into no you don't think I that? don't think it does I I don't think any executive cares about a video game at all like, yeah. I mean, like I mean that's that's a harsh oversimplification but I don't think I think that when I think in the world of entertainment, movies are at the top of the food chain, and video game stories are somewhere down below. Video game, video games will get mined for IP to be turned into movies. Yeah. But movie people who work in movies, uh, by and large, tend to be like, we're we make the best thing, 
and the TV shows and the books and the things that come after that like are below this. Yeah. So I don't think they look at the way a storyline, particularly in a fighting game, even though the, the storylines are all really cool and interesting, I don't think they would look at the Injustice storyline and go, oh, that's what we have to do. I think it just kind of is a non-thing. I think much more is the looking at things like Joker. Yeah. And going, people are... And, well, And it's exactly what happened. Or Chris Nolan. It's looking at the Nolan films and going, oh, they made it gritty and real, and it was really dark, and that's what people want. Let's do that with Superman. And you're like, no, that's what people want for Batman. Right, right, right. And Joker falls into the exact same category. You want to tell stories about anyone that lives in Gotham City, and you want to make it dark and gritty? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Metropolis is literally the opposite of that. Yeah. I don't disagree, and and I think that I think what obviously now in retrospect, Snyder wanted to make a darker version of this entire universe. So you know that's a darker, more real, quote unquote real, right, quote unquote grittier version of these heroes. And so Superman has to kind of function a certain way within that context. Context now it seems like since Hamada has come in here from New Line, uh, they've really figured things out storyline wise. They've done had a number of successes. And they've created different environments in each of their films. Like Aquaman has nothing to do with Shazam, has nothing to do with Joker, and probably will have nothing to do with the Batman or Wonder Woman in terms of their overall atmosphere. So down the road, and we'll see if there's a Green Lantern Corps thing coming down the road, putting them all together will be interesting to see if you can find the right director to make it work. But I think for right now, I don't understand how you couldn't come out with a Superman now that is like uh, truth, justice in the American way. And even... Henry Cavill, I saw Kevin McCarthy, who's a, a friend of mine who does this, uh, works uh, on the East Coast. They, he posted a clip today of his interview with Henry Cavill for The Witcher stuff. And they asked, and it's two minute converse, two minute response to Superman. He wants to continue with the Superman. He wants to explore where it left off, Man of Steel, and where he could go. He said Man of Steel specifically, not Batman versus Superman. I think he understands Batman versus Superman was some kind of weird thing that he shouldn't have been a part of. But he knows that at the end of Man of Steel, there are possibilities. Um, and so he could go from there. And I think that's possible, too. I think the fans would be just fine with Cavill continuing as Superman. But the fact that this thing says it might not even come out till 2023, I think, is a massive misstep. Well, but again, and this is just three years territory that we've tread, but like. I don't you keep talking about this as if these characters are going to have their franchises and then at some point they're coming together. I do believe that'll still happen. But Batman is going to be in its completely own territory over here. Right, set in the 90s possibly, yes. Like he's young, like yeah, he's true. doing his own thing. Like I just don't know. I I think that DC and I th- again, I've said this a thousand times. I think this is a mistake, but I think DC is just abandoning a shared universe right now. Yeah. It well they're banning overt, an overtly shared universe. There are hints of it all being shared throughout. No, the the hints that were there predated them sort of making this decision. Like even like in Shazam, when Shazam was being written and directed, right, right, they were still at least ostensibly doing a shared universe. And then it was soon after that that they just kind of were like, nope, hands out. Like we're not. But we haven't seen a movie yet other than Joker that doesn't have the shared universe. Illusions. Uh, Aquaman doesn't have any references. Aquaman does, does it? when it does, they it reference does. Justice League. It does. Mara referenced Justice League. They, yeah, they, they fought they Steppenwolf. Talk about, they oh, talk right. about Steppenwolf right. and how and Shazam has the logos. 
Yeah. All right. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll it's see. Subtle references that it's still all connected. It's not overt. Um. Yeah. I'll be. I'll be curious to see what they do. I mean, because I do think that if you get, if you get Superman right, he does connect your universe. Yeah. Like absolutely. I think that that's what people don't get. And again, I just you know thanks to Disney Plus, my my brother literally is just watching everything on Disney Plus all day. <laughs> so I came home the other day from Denver, and he was watching the first Avengers, which I haven't watched in forever. Yeah, it's great. Like, no, it's here's the thing. It's 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 of its time. It's of its time. Yeah. I mean, look, I remember when we saw Avengers in the movie theater, and you so were standing fun. up screaming. Okay. Um. Yes. <laughs> when Hulk when when Hulk beat the shit out of Loki, yes. you literally stood up in the movie. Well, theater. I remember when you defended Jar Jar Binks. So we all have our things in our past. We all have our things in our past. <laughs> Do you see how I was complimenting you on a moment that was amazing, and then you just you said I clutched my pearls, me, and so. then you smacked me with a gungan. <laughs> gungan. <laughs> you gungan slapped me. <laughs> oh, I like. <laughs> um, but no, but all I'm saying is, look, Avengers was of its time. Like the movies have definitely progressed and become bigger and better, and the special effects and the stories, whatever. But like, yeah. again, the thing that was great about it is Cap kind of. Ties everybody together. Oh, yeah. I don't know that everybody, like, you know, he he just, he inspires everybody. He gets, you know, even, like, his fight with Tony about Tony not being the guy who would make the sacrifice play leads to Tony making the sacrifice play at the end. Like, Cap's, Cap's sort of uh, is that inspirational yeah. figure that sort of draws everybody in and always has been that and was all of that all the way up to the end of Endgame, as I had said. And Superman can be that. If you let him be that. I mean, you can argue that Captain America is an alien from another time put in. Um, same thing. The, sure. The Superman illusions are all there. And Tony Stark, Iron Man, at least in what the MCU created, is essentially the Batman of the MCU. The billionaire with family issues who like wants to be in control of everything Remember, and put, put in the security system to get information for everybody so they don't get attacked yeah. again. And like Batman has those files oh, yeah. to defeat Tony, every member of the Justice Tony League. Tony and Batman and Cap and Soups are like literally, it's, totally it's the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. But you know, and I've always thought... Well, it can work. And exactly. Well, it's like, it's yeah, the proof is literally yeah. right there. Yeah. I've always thought also that the more horrible and cynical the world is... Uh, the better a Superman movie works. I thoroughly agree. You know, I, I, I think that I, I think that uh, the studio thinking on this is wrong. Granted, this is the My Little Pony and me speaking, but as someone who worked on My Little Pony for so long and saw how this completely genuine, like just almost to the point of like being saccharine, the saccharinely genuine show about just being good and that friendship is magic. And you saw how you all of a sudden had like these 40 year old guys obsessed with these pastel colored ponies because of what the message is. I definitely am probably a little bit even more on the, you can make this work. But I think that I would love to see a show where politicians were cynical and media outlets and pundits were assholes and everything was bad and people didn't trust anything anymore. And this giant boy scout comes along and everyone's like, who the fuck are you? Right. And he literally is that good that people are like, oh, my God. Like, Because I do think that that's a thing that people are drawn to right now, particularly in the divided times that we have. It's like, have a, have a movie where we have a country that is divi- as divided as we are now and have this figure come along that just sort of like knocks all that down. People would go apeshit for that. Yeah. Without Grandma's peach tea. Without it. Oh, God. You don't need it. You don't need Eisenberg. it. You don't need it. <laughs> I'm just God. saying, you don't need it. 
Um, so, yeah. so clearly, I have some feelings about Superman. You do. Guys. Would you have liked to have been? Would you be okay with uh, Michael B. Jordan as Superman? I know our there's a friend of ours who will go nameless, nameless key, uh, who uh, who has a feeling about it and is not a big fan of a possibility of a black Superman. Does that bother you guys at all? Uh, it does not bother me at all. Okay. I do think if you were to if you were to cast a person of color as Superman. I think you would have to make a movie where that was addressed and the movie was about that. Agreed. Like, I don't think you could have in the world. Like, like I think that from everything I've heard with Winter Soldier and Falcon, uh, where yeah. Falcon is now the new cap. Right. Uh, that that the, that the TV show is going to deal directly with the idea that people might have an issue with that. With a black Captain America. With a black yeah. Captain America. Yeah. And I think that if you were going to just tell the straight-up traditional Superman story, if you're going to do a straight-up reboot where uh, Last Son of Krypton comes rocketing to Earth, lands in Kansas, but it is a baby of color who yeah. grows up in the world and has these powers and abilities and goes to the big city, I don't think that you could do that movie and not address that. Right. The fact that he's coming into a world that does have a level of racial inequality. But I think that's super interesting in and of itself. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm down to see. Like, that's where, you know, some of our friends, perhaps some of the same friends that you're referencing, yeah. whenever I get on my Superman kick about what I think Superman should be, I get accused a lot of the time of I like my classic uh, Richard Donner, Christopher uh-huh. Reeve Superman. And if you deviate from that in any way... I get mad because it's not quote unquote my Superman. And I always say that's not the case. I just don't like what they've done with it. And this is an example where I think telling this story of a Superman of color would by necessity be a very different story, but maybe a much more relevant and important story to the world we live in today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love an, I love an interesting take on a hero. And while I think if you make Superman black, I mean, it becomes a different movie um, but I don't know if that movie turns out great. Fantastic. But is Lois Lane black at that point or is she white or Latina? She could be anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, no, I don't think it doesn't matter because you have to open up the, the, the uh, idea of, well, are you doing a black Superman <coughs> with a black Lois Lane? Are you doing an interracial relationship like that kind of stuff factors into it as well? It does. But I mean, I'm saying, like, I guess what I'm saying is. Yeah. Maybe this is just me being too progressive, but like I, I think a. I don't think the ethnicity of his of the of the woman he loves would matter. I think you would cast the best person for it. And, yes. and if you were and if you were doing a movie where you were just going to do, uh, you know, everybody was a person of color, that's totally fine too. Or you don't have to. Like I think that there's yeah. there's lots of options for it. I don't think there's one way to do it. Um, and I think mostly what people sort of respond to is the idea that Superman was a person of color. But like I I'd be super down for that. Yeah. I, I, I'll be okay with it. If you make it work correctly, I don't give two shits. If you make it work great, I'm down. A Michael B. Jordan Superman would have been interesting, especially when he has his play as Clint Killmonger. But I don't know necessarily if Michael B. was the right choice in my head. If I was going to go with a black Superman, I don't know if necessarily he's the choice I would make. You know why he might? You know why he, he might not be my my number one choice or whatever. A, right. I think he's like one of the best actors around right now. Like hands down from from Friday Night Lights on, I've just thought he's amazing. But also, he basically plays the Superman character in Chronicle. Yeah, true, and he does it really well. I yeah. mean, Chronicle is a great movie. Yes, and he definitely fills the I'm the hero hero role. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that he was a kid actor in The Wire? 
I did not know that. Yeah, he's good in the first season. Yeah, he was like 13. Yeah. No, the first time that I saw him as an actor was when he came in on whatever, that was season... Uh, Season three three or four. Season three or four of Friday Night Lights. And I just remember from the moment he showed up on screen, I was like, who is this guy? Oh, he's great. I would love him to be Superman. Uh... Yeah, I'm, and that's the thing is like that doesn't, and we've always had this conversation. Yeah. I'm always less interested in what the person looks like, and more like who the person is. Like, right. what are you? Are do you under are, from the writing and the directing and the acting and everything? Do you understand what makes this character tick? Yeah. And I think there could be of any any a Superman of any ethnicity, and it would change a lot of the dynamics of the story. But again, it's to what I'm saying is if if Warner Brothers and everybody would just embrace this guy is genuine and true and honest and yeah. good and that we're not fucking with you can fuck with everything else right but do that and that's the part that scares them the most yeah which is ironic do you think addressing sort of the jj abrams rumors do you think he's the guy do you think he could be the guy to make a good classic superman movie i i recently rewatched star trek in the darkness Again, on the plane ride back from Australia. Thoroughly, thoroughly fucking That's so funny. Uh, My brother and I just put on the first Star Trek Ah, the other day. And I had to leave because I was going somewhere. I got about, we got about 45 minutes in. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to cancel my plans and stay here and watch this. Yeah. It's great. (laughs) It's great. Both of those films are good. Beyond is something else. But like those two films, I think, are fantastic. So I already have a vision of what J.J. would do with a character like Superman, and excites me. I would love him to bring the lens flares and all that kind of shit to the Superman story to make it feel more epic, yeah. make it feel more interesting and more... I have my issues with J.J. as a director. And clean. But I will say that uh, between the Star Trek reboot and Force Awakens, mm. neither one... Both of them have their issues. Neither one of them is 100% perfect. But he gets... He Force Awakens. He got what Star Wars was. He, he gets got, the tone. He right. understood what yeah. the audience was looking for, and he delivered it. Yeah. And with Star Trek, even more so, he delivered a Star Trek that was completely different than Star Trek had ever been before. That still made everybody who was a big fan of Star Trek like it. That's what I would argue. That Star Trek 2009 is better than Force Awakens because it's so different. Than the source material. Yeah, but I also think it's a better. I think it's a better movie as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, thoroughly. And I, I imagine, and I could be wrong, but I imagine he probably had more creative control yeah. over Star Trek, whereas you're coming into the beast of Star Wars. I, I think probably there was a lot more scrutiny on what he was doing with Star Wars, but I mean, he's even said recently. That I think, I think he was putting a lot of pressure on himself. He was saying, you know, a lot of the because, like, I. I've, fucking clickbait every five seconds i'm like scrolling through facebook and it's like what did jj really think of last jedi and i was like oh god but i was like reading him and basically what he's you know he's he's actually and a lot of this is probably pr and everything else but he's very complimentary but what i think he says that's true is that he felt so much pressure to get star wars right with force awakens yeah and then he watched what ryan johnson did with last jedi where ryan johnson like it or not continued to subvert expectations at every turn and that that in turn made jj i think that what for and again for better or for worse maybe we'll love it maybe we won't but i think rise of skywalker is going to be 
the J.J. Abrams movie that J.J. Abrams really wanted to make because ah. Force Awakens was so... I mean, that's... Rebooting Star Trek is... <coughs> Star Trek's lust... The, the, the luster was off that star yeah. a little bit. Star Trek had gone through so many ups and downs that taking Star Trek, it's like, okay, well, here's what I would do. Whereas Star Wars, you're like, fuck. Yeah. This is like... This is the crown jewels. I cannot fuck this up. So I, don't, I'm, I'm, I think what we're going to get with Rise of Skywalker is going to be more uh, apropos of J.J. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. We'll see if he's the one. I mean, obviously, this thing is going to be going on for a bit, uh, for a few years. I don't know if they're going to announce Superman anytime soon. So it's frustrating overall because I, I, that's one of the characters I love the most. And to not have him be out there in the universe that you're creating with all these other characters getting these. I mean, look at Joker making a billion dollars, for God's sakes. It just it's frustrating as hell, but hopefully they'll figure it out. Cast the right Superman. I don't know. Cavill doesn't want to let it go. And when they asked him about the Snyder Cut stuff, he was really funny well. when he said why he didn't want to post about it. He said because I didn't want to like you know bring back the memories of of my mustache, which I miss so much. It's such a perfect <laughs> response. That's why it makes him the perfect Superman. He is legitimately in but love with that character. Ben Affleck sat in Hall H and said he would be an ape for Matt Reeves. He's so looking forward yeah, to being right, Batman. Right, right, right. So how much of this is yeah you know true? Well, it's Hollywood, so everyone's got a safe face. As soon as Ben said that, in my head, I'm like, he's done. He's done. It's like that breakup where you're like, no, 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 totally, whatever you want. And you're like, and you go, you walk away and you go, oh fuck, what have I said? It's totally <laughs> that. It's totally that. So when he said he was so extreme about it, I was like, oh no, he's saving face here. And when he was just watching everybody else command the stage, I was like, Ben's done. Ben is just done, done, done. You can tell from body language. You can tell. And so you know, it was never a surprise to me when they finally announced it. Um. Uh. We'll see with Cavill, though. Batfleck. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there's a movie out there where, uh, where some, some uh, rich businessman who has no trouble, uh, who shouldn't be in politics, gets voted in as president, and uh, Superman has to deal with it. You're talking about Lex Luthor? I mean, that's what happened in the comic. Who else would I be talking oh, okay, about? Okay, fair. I want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, like, I mean, only, only in a comic book would a shitty criminal businessman become president of the United States, and then Superman would have to deal with that. I'm just saying four years from now, a certain executive maybe would be in charge of it. If he works his ass off a little bit more, I'm just saying. <laughs> I could bring a couple of friends on to help with it as well. We'll understand Superman. Got my work cut out for me. Yeah, you do it. And um, I'll clean it out for you. We're, one, we're at 108, so we got to wrap this oh, up. All right. Uh, um, anyway, all right. So that's our thoughts on this. Let us know what you think about the Superman situation and all the three other geek news items, things we talked about. Uh, and tweet at us or, or comment on our stuff. Well, how can they do that, Jen? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel on both platforms, it's at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca on both platforms, it's at the Roca Says. Boom. Um, hey, do you believe in truth? <laughs> do you believe in justice? Do you believe in doing the right thing oh, and being nice, a good person? Nice alternate take there. Then you know what? <laughs> Give us some stars. Give us some likes. Yeah. Give us some comments. The more you comment, the more you star us, the more you like us, the more you retweet us, the more you tell a friend. You, mo- you know, make someone's, make someone's day a little nicer. Hey, that's what I would say. Retweet this episode. Retweet the episodes of the Geek Buddies. We're trying to build this base so much, and I think we have a great show. Very honest, fun show. A refreshing show, some Super- would say. Some have described it as a refreshing <laughs> show. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, we want you to uh, spread the word, and uh, we would very much appreciate it. And uh, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.